Thank God we have an anchor. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 13, 35. Starting a new series tonight. I decided, well, I don't need to start a new series, but then again, we've got to start somewhere. Amen. And I know we don't have as many as we usually have, but it's still a good congregation. I appreciate you being here. You've encouraged me, and I know you've encouraged each other, and also encouraged each other by being socially distant. But don't be spiritually distant. Amen. Uh, if... Um, <clears throat> there's ever going to be a singer in the future, it's going to be Graham Harris, I guarantee you. That sounds like a gospel singer, don't it? And Graham Harris is going to be singing, amen? And so he's going to be pushing for a place in that family quartet uh, very soon. And uh, so that's good singing, amen? That was worth coming to also, is that, that duet we just heard, amen? Uh, John chapter 13, verse 35, let's stand on to the Word of God, if you can possibly stand. And... Um, some of you said, that's, uh, with this mask on, I'm getting exhausted. I understand, but I appreciate you uh, taking every precaution not to spread anything tonight. John chapter 13, verse 35, the Bible says this, <clears throat> By this shall all men know that, we are my, uh, that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Let me repeat that, because this is the uh, credentials of a real disciple. It says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. You may be seated as I pray. We had a couple other prayer requests come in. Miss uh, Leslie's not feeling good. I'm going to have neck surgery in the, in the near future. And also Carol Pascal uh, wrote me this today, and she has two ladies that's come into her home. You talk about a stressful ministry. You have people coming off the street into your home. She's a, she houses several ladies, and both the ladies that's come in are expecting a baby any minute and have nothing. And so uh, thank God for Carol Pascal. And uh, she's about 80 years old, and she is not backing down for the ministry. But that is a very risky ministry. So please pray uh, for those uh, ladies that just walked in off the street and pray for Miss Carol Pascal. She wanted prayer to take good care of them. Father, thank you for this gathering tonight. Thank you for those that are in the ministry, laboring, and even, Lord, putting themselves in harm's way to minister uh, because they love you and love others. I pray for our missionaries, dear God, as I think about David and Katie Gardner uh, that Brother Austin put out a special request for that's been uh, uh, in um, isolation and quarantine for almost 70 days, uh, no backyard much, not much yard, and they can't even go out of the house in Peru. Lord, we pray this would stay and that they would be able to get around and about. We thank you for the report of the Staley's being able to go buy that electric piano and start their services very soon and even get out of uh, the house, uh, Lord, in Spain. And Lord, for the Childers over in Italy, we know that's a very risky situation, a very uh, vulnerable place for the virus. And we thank you for them and their faithfulness to take the gospel in the midst of the storm. Uh, to tell people there is an anchor, and his name is Jesus. So, Lord, please bless our missionaries, encourage them. Uh, Lord, for Brother Jeremy, I know he's going bananas, and uh, God uh, cooped up in that house for all these days, and I pray, God, that you'd uh, help in South Africa uh, while uh, Brother uh, Mark and uh, Brother Kevin's over here, dear God, you give him wisdom as he's conducting a lot of the things over there. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege to preach tonight. And thank you for these that's gathered here uh, to uh, worship you. And I pray that you teach us something from your word. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You know, love is the most important thing to God. Love. Uh, it's more important than anything in your life uh, is that you have love. When he called himself uh, a title, he didn't call himself faith. He called himself love. Uh, he is love. Uh, he's not just hope. He's love. And when you, you are what you love, uh, you're as great as your love and nothing more. Uh, God came to Adam and Eve because he loved them. And he also desired that they love him. Folks, your love relationship is your most important relationship with God. Uh, it's a proof of genuineness. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Uh, this is going to be an evaluation. You know, we've had a lot of time to think. Amen. The TV's been off. The Braves have, are not on every night. Uh, you don't have sports blaring. You don't have golf tournaments. You have just you and your wife and children, and I hope that you've listened to some good music and, um, and meditated and stayed in the Word of God. But 1 Corinthians 13 uh, tells us about the genuineness of a Christian. Without love, you are nothing. The Bible says a zero, you're nothing. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I, I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. There's that big zero. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Seven minus one equals zero, according to these verses. I know that's not math, but that's spiritual. Uh, the eloquence in verse 1, the prophecy in verse 2, the mysteries understood in verse uh, 2, uh, the last half, all knowledge in verse 2, all faith, uh, to be able to feed the poor and even become a martyr without love is nothing, nothing. And so, folks, we need to realize, number one, if we're going to measure our Christian life, we'll do this for the next uh, few services, uh, even on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, is this, is that you need to evaluate your life and see if you are the kind of Christian God wants you to be. It's the measure of a real Christian. And the first criteria is love, love. First John 4, 8 says, God is love. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, uh, they're about to establish the nation. He says that you ought to fear God in chapter 5, verse 29. That my people would fear God, it says, and have a heart, such as a heart in them, that they would fear me. And to fear him is to love him. And to keep all his commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. But then he goes into chapter 6, and he says in verse 4 through 9, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And then he goes on to say, every day you love God. Every day you think about God. Every day you long to please God. Every day you walketh by the way and lieth down and riseth up. And you bind for a sign upon your head the frontlets of your eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house. And these words will be in your heart. You'll love God's word. So I want to give you a few things about how you can evaluate your life. This is a test. And I know you don't like tests, but this, it's good. 
and how you can realize if your life is genuinely a Christian. And the proof of life and obedience uh, is in 1 John 3, 14. As uh, Brother uh, Steve quoted a couple of weeks ago, is that we need to know that we pass from death into life because we love the brethren. We know that we have passed from death into life. That means you're not even saved if you don't love people. If you don't love people, you're not even saved. Because see, you have the lover inside of you. It's a proof of faith. 1 John 4, verse 19. It's the queen of all graces. 1 Corinthians 13. 13 says, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, and the, and, but the grace of these is love. Amen? Uh, it's, a, it's a proof of discipleship. There are texts tonight. 1 John, or John 13, 35. It's a criteria for judgment because we're going to receive reward to all them that love his appearing. It's the light of the local church because they, the light went out when they left their first love, Revelation 2, 1 through 7. It's motive power for the Christian life. The Bible says you ought to let the love of God constrain you. Now, some of you can't write all this down. This is, this is a real quick introduction. But it's also proof positive evidence of repentance. What did the Lord ask Peter right after he got back to the fire and he was being reestablished and he was, he was uh, <clears throat> under conviction about denying Jesus three times? He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? <clears throat> more than these. And so it's a, it's a sign of true repentance that you love God. And it's also the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. And so, folks, listen. Love is everything. And if you do not love God, others, and sinners, then there's something deeply wrong in your life. So I want to give you a test tonight. Let me get to some water here. And um, I don't know why I always get choked up when I'm preaching lately, but I think it's sinuses. Uh, I took Luke fishing yesterday and we caught nothing. I should have cast the net on the other side, amen? And I knew when the water was 32 degrees, it wasn't, there wasn't going, nobody going to bite because their mouth were frozen. But anyway, so I got a little science problem. Y'all pray for me. It's nothing uh, delirious or virus, okay? All right, number one, measure your love uh, for God. Number one, you ought to love God. By your love for God, if you want to measure your maturity, you want to measure your, your, uh, your effectiveness as a Christian, you want to measure your um, spiritual uh, maturity, you must love God. God measures our life by our love for Him. Enoch was great because he walked with God, but the reason he walked with God, he loved God. David was a man after God's own heart, Acts 13, 22. When you have a heart for God, you long to be with Him in His presence more than anything else. And so I want to give you a few things, and I'm going to give you just question after question. I didn't write these down, so you'll have to write them down if you want to, or get them later uh, on the tape. But you measure your life and love by the number of times you lovingly think of Jesus during the day. Look, pity for your thought. What do you wake up thinking about? Most people wake up thinking about Food. I didn't sleep good. I woke up five times. You start thinking about yourself immediately. The war, one of the worst things you can do is be so self-occupied and in love with yourself. And so, folks, listen, when you get up, uh, you, ought to love, you ought to have Jesus on your mind. And you ought to do it all during the day. You ought to love God. Uh, your first waking moments, you ought to love God. When you pick up your Bible, it ought to be a 
Bible letter from the one that loves you. There ought, ought to be a love letter. And when you walk in the sanctuary, oh, this is so precious, you ought to be here because you want to love God more sincerely, more uh, completely. Uh, you love God is the reason you're here. Not you love the preacher. You don't love, except my wife, uh, you, don't love, uh, you don't love each other, uh, but we do. Uh, you don't love this place, but you love God. You love God. The testimony when we uh, come out as a called out assembly is that we provoke each other to love. Amen. This ought to be a place where we get provoked. Some of you got provoked Sunday morning the wrong way. But I want to tell you something, friend. You need to get provoked to love. Amen. If you can't sit in your seat for a couple of weeks, the word, this will pass. And you will make it by not sitting in your pew. I promise you. And so get over it, amen? Grow up. But I'll just say this, friend. God help us if we got mad and changed churches during this time because we saw a better show on the Internet. Don't change churches after this. and Don't, don't get despondent. Take inventory and find out how much you really love God. That ought to be a question you ask every day. Do I love Jesus? When you wash your hands, you ought to be taking an evaluation. Do I love Jesus? Today I was washing my hands, and I, and I took about three seconds. I said, I've already got over it. Had to go back in there. But see, it takes 45 minutes for our water to warm up. I wish I'd pray for a hot water heater. It's as slow as my wife. No, I didn't mean that. I mean, it is slow. I mean, just, it, it takes forever. She's been complaining about it for 20 years. And, uh, it, but it'll, it'll finally get warm. And I thought, man, I can't wait for this water to warm up and be a scriptural hand washer, or a, a healthy hand washer. And I believe in that. I've done study on it. I know the soap works. It's the best thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do, really. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be advisable to some of you to take a shower once a week, too. Praise God. But anyway, even though we're socially distanced, you still got a wife. But listen, when you wash your hands, you ought to say, I love Jesus. But I'm afraid, Brother Steve, that our love for God's like this washing hands. We're just doing a little less. And we're just doing a little more, a little less. And we're a little more quick, and we just want to give a little dab of duty in our devotion. We want to read our prescribed chapter and get it over with, and we don't get a thing out of it. And we're going through the motions, and folks, religious people do that. We want to have a loving relationship. We want to look into his face every day in prayer and say, I love you. Before you ask for anything and get your grocery list out, you ought to say, Dear God, I want to tell you how much I love you and how much you've done for me and what you've done for my family, and I just want to thank you. So you measure your life and love by the number of times you lovingly think of Jesus during the day. That's convicting, isn't it? And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it very calmly. If you listen to the wrong kind of music, you're not thinking about Jesus. You need to give up your country music. You need to give up your rock and roll music. Because I'm telling you, that does not get your mind on loving Jesus. Say amen. I think this crowd can take it. Amen. If I make this many... Mad, maybe we can survive it, but I'm going to say this. God help us if we don't meditate on the things of God. And sometimes things that come across the computer and the TV distract us from loving God. I believe this. If the activity doesn't cause you to love God, you need to reevaluate that activity. And then number two, under um, how to love Jesus or how do you know that you love Jesus or love God, you measure your love by the degree of hunger you have for reading the Word. How much hunger you have for reading the Word. The other day, Emily got crazy. Oh, she's watching. 
and uh, she just got into a cleaning mood and she wanted to rearrange everything in this certain guest bedroom, which we call the children's room, which has got a lot of toys. Y'all come over sometime after this, but we have a good time. Because see, when I want to watch a ball game, I throw all the kids in that room and they can't come out until halftime. Amen? No, but anyway. And, uh, and she started rearranging everything and she even started moving beds and she started moving dressers. And I mean, in a single bound, boy, she's going to make a good wife for somebody. She'll do all the work. And, uh, but she called me and Luke in there to help. And we started discovering all this thing. And she, she, under the bed, found this box, plastic box. And it had all my love letters to Connie when we were dating. And then it had a diary in there about when we were dating and I did some things that I shouldn't do. Like go to Florida and didn't write her every day and didn't call her every day. I didn't know she cared that much. But after she read all this stuff, and Amy gets them out and starts reading them publicly to everybody in the desk. I said, please don't read that one, amen? And please don't read that in the diary, that, that excerpt. And, and then after all that, I looked at her and I said, thank you for marrying me, amen? It took four years for me to convince her. But, you know, folks, listen, if you love God, you love his love letters, amen? Don't tell me you love God if you don't love his word. And we need to learn to love his word. We need to meditate on his word. We need to obey his word. The more you obey God, the more light he'll give you. Number three, you measure your love for Jesus by the number of things in your life that you adjust because you long to please him. Let me repeat that one. That was a long one. Some of you can't write that fast. You measure your love for Jesus by the number of things in your life that you adjust because you long to please him. How do you use your time? How to use your talents. If you're singing in a nightclub on Saturday, don't try to sing here. Amen? And I don't think you do. I don't think any of you can sing that good, except Graham. But don't put him in the nightclub. But amen, uh, you, you, use that time, that talent. How many uses their talent for the Lord? Hey, fr friend, listen, the only reason you are any whatsoever talented is because of the Lord. Amen? Uh, Brother Kevin's got a talent of painting. We're about to kill him. Amen? Uh, Brother Mark has a talent of painting. I do not have a talent of painting. When they see me with a bucket, they run. I guarantee you. And somebody the other day, I went into a restaurant or something. I don't know what I did. And they, he said, you got paint on the side of your blue jeans. I said, is that all, the only place it is? I said, glory to God. You know, I thought it was all over my forehead or something, which would have been a lot to cover. But I want you to know this. Folks, there's talent and there's time. Hey, listen, there's treasure. If you don't tithe, don't tell me you love God. And thank God our church has been great. I mean, we had a wonderful offering Sunday. Over 1,100 was uh, emailed in or, or uh, whatever, online giving. Praise God. We should have started that several years ago. But anyway, uh, you know, it's wonderful to see God's people rally. And I know it's not because you're afraid you'll get the virus the reason you're tithing. Is it? I know it's not. Amen. You love God. You love God. How do you use your leisure time because you love God? Amen? A Christian cannot hang around rock and roll music, nightclubs, and love God. Don't, don't tell me you can't. Listen to this, young people. You can't hang around the hoodlums and the gang and the immoral at school and say you love God. You have nothing in common with those guys. And all they're trying to do is bring you down. Amen? Who you date tells you me how much you love God. Who you talk to, who you associate with. And I know you don't need to be holier than thou, but you don't need to have your best friend, some ungodly person. 
Say amen. How do you use your leisure time? How do you adjust? Here it is, your priorities because you love him. Write that question down to summarize point C under point one. How do you adjust your priorities because you love him? How do you adjust them? I want to tell you what the priority ought to be in your life. God. Loving him. His will. His word. His church. Hey, your marriage. You ought to love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What are the little ways to try to bless others because of your love, fourthly? What are the little ways you try to bless others because you love Jesus? Now, folks, we ought to want to bless others because we love Jesus. And we want to introduce people to Jesus. Amen? You ought to be the nicest customer anyone has. You ought to be the nicest person that sits at some waitress's table. Not complain about everything. If you do complain about it, do it with a smile at least. Amen? Cook this thing again. But no, you ought to give a good tip before you say you love Jesus. Amen? And so what are the little ways to bless others? Many times, listen, listen to this now, and I can't tell if you smile, smile and frowning or, or complaining. How many times do you smile deliberately for Jesus' sake? I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it very kindly. Some people look mad all the time. I have a grump look. If I, I got a scowl right here, my wife says, and she knows when I get perturbed. It sort of curls up and points at you, you know. But we shouldn't come to church like that. We shouldn't sing in the choir like that. You ever watch Jerry Falwell in the old days? There was a lady on the front row. She had a robe on, but she looked like the devil. She was mean. She's staring at the camera. And I said, praise God, get her off the front row. Kick her out of the choir, please. Put her behind a tall man at least. Because she was looking bad. And folks, I want to tell you something. You need to smile by faith. You need to realize that you do little things and you're blessing to others because you love Jesus. It's very practical now. But folks, I want to tell you something. To be a great lover of Jesus is practical. It's joyful. And it's constant. It's practical. It's joyful. And it's constant. I recently watched a movie. I've watched a lot of movies that I wouldn't recommend. And... I shouldn't even tell you I watch movies because I preach against it uh, publicly. But uh, I think it's hard right to, to watch movies as long as it's family-oriented. Say amen. Are y'all with me? So he said, no, bless God, I watch the R-rated, shoot them up, cut them the heads off, and tell the kids to go to bed. Well, that's your problem. I ain't going to preach on that. But I love that, I love that uh, one about it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood because the, uh, Mr. Rogers was so nice. I knew he was. Jason never missed an episode when he was a kid. He got hooked on it. He was addicted to Mr. Rogers. And he recommended this movie. And I said, oh, Mr. Mr. Rogers, good night. But after watching that movie, I wanted to be more kind. And he was just so nice. There, A guy was dying, and he asked him to pray for him. He says, if anybody's dying, surely you're close to God. Would you pray for me? I said, man, that's great. You know, have that kind of positive attitude. But some people, you don't want to be around. Some people, you're afraid uh, that they're going to say how they look. But folks, I believe as a Christian, we ought to walk into church with our face set towards heaven, been with heaven praying, and at least try to crack a smile. Just try. I mean, just, it's, some of you got to work on it. I mean, it's going, you got to wear it on, draw it on your mask. I don't care. But you need to, you need to what is the little ways that you can bless others for, because you love Jesus? It's not because you love them, you love Jesus. And then because you love Jesus, 
You'll learn to love them. How many know somebody that's very hard to love? Raise your hand. Do not point at them. You love, they're very hard to love. You ever worked with somebody like that? You ever had a boss like that? They're very hard to love. But I want to tell you something, friend. God wants you to love them. And then number two, you need to measure your life by your love for other Christians. So that was just point one with four subpoints. Um, I'm preaching like Steve Gregory now, praise God, for four subpoints. But anyway, uh, amen. He's, he'll amen me if I'll start preaching like him. But folks, listen, you need to measure your life by love for other Christians. You can't love God without loving others. That's it. You cannot love God without loving others. Let's turn to the text of 1 John 4. Real quick, 1 John chapter 4. I know, I know, I know, I know that I need to be brief with all the babies in here, but they've done gone to sleep, so I'm going to take my time now. They're so good, amen. You know something, um, David Smallwood used to preach an hour and a half every message until he had two children. I think somebody called wife broke him of that, praise God. Because if you have to wrestle with a kid for one hour and a half, it's a long service. Can somebody say amen that knows what I'm talking about? So I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. I appreciate you being here, but they're being so good. Thank you, children, for listening. 1 John 4, 7. Here it is. Real quick. The Bible says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not God knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. You can read verses 11 through 21, and it talks about how can you say you love God when you, you can't even love the people you see. You can't even love the people that you ought to love, that are hard to love, that's unlovable and unloving and unlovely. Folks, listen, uh, you can't love God without loving other Christians. Love transcends all that separates us from someone else. Let me say that. There's a lot of things that separate you from some people. Some, some of you can't stand somebody. You can't stand their mannerisms. I mean, they're so outgoing and you're so shy. It bugs you. It really bugs you. Their personality bugs you. My personality might bug you. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to look beyond personalities and mannerisms, and we not, need not let anything separate us from loving one another. What tra Love transcends all that junk. That's classism, racism, prejudice. Typism, personalityism, making up words, I don't even know what they mean. But it, listen, love transcends it all. Love break down, breaks down barriers, melts away hindrances. Love is realistic. It recognizes difference and values them. It flows beyond them. Hey, friend, we are the worst type of hypocrites there is if we send uh, missionaries to Africa and we don't love black people. That's so hypocritical. And you know, there's a lot of churches that don't like somebody that happens to be a different color, a different race. Uh, you know, they're taking my job. Well, I'm going to tell you what will solve that. Work hard when you're at the job, and they won't take your job. Come on, say amen now. Folks, listen. Christian love for one another draws Christians together. 
Love heals hurts and deep wounds. The more you get bitter, the, le- the more distance you'll get. The more you love your fellow Christian, the more God poses his love uh, and uh, overflows his love into your heart. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The more you take your fellow believer to your heart, the more God draws you to his heart because his heart's love. Nehemiah was a man of love. Daniel was a man of love. Hosea was a man of love. They were men of God, but first they were men of love. They identified with them. They they wept for them. They took their sins upon them and interceded for them. The great hymn of, of, of praise for the love of God is 1 Corinthians 13, and it starts out, love is kind. We need a revival of kindness. I'll tell you again, when you watch that, everybody's going to go out and get that movie, rent that movie. Send me the bill. I'll pay for it. $1.80, I think I can do it. But uh, uh, Mr. Rogers was kind. Now, somebody's going to do research, and he was a heathen. I know, and he worshiped squirrels or something. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this. Uh, that, that movie made me want to be more kind. Amen? Now, I know you ought to read your Bible. That, you know, don't go out and get a movie to be, be like Jesus. Just read your Bible. Pray. How can you measure your love for your fellow believer and for your church for which Jesus died for? You measure your love by the joy you have of thinking about your brother and sister, the joy that was set before you. Uh, You're willing to forgive. That's love. You measure your love by the, um, uh, you don't repeat rumors. Uh, It's amazing to me there's a church, a dear pastor, dear friend of mine up in Catoosa County, and one person that came here to our Bible Institute uh, got uh, the COVID-19. And boy, here's Channel 9 on the parking lot last night making this big deal out of it. And it is a big deal. But, you know, they had to shut the church back down. That's why we're trying not to do that. If you do break this and you don't go by the rules, so to speak, we'll shut it down and we'll see you in August. You know, that's what's going to happen to that church. And it's unfortunate. But it's amazing how the media jumps on that. Now, they didn't say about all the Walmart people that left and all the, all the hospital people this guy said. No, it's the church. And so, folks, the eye of the world's upon us. You know, and we need to be careful and we need to do what we can do to keep this thing down and we need to be a good testimony because the media's looking for us to slip up. That's right. That's the world we live in. But you shouldn't be looking for people to slip up. You shouldn't be critical and cynical. I've known pastors like that. They hate it. One guy said, I love the ministry. I just can't stand people. That's exactly what he said. He said, I love the ministry. I just can't stand people. Guess what? He's out of the ministry. But Larry Brown had to take his church and send a a preacher boy over there to pastor his church in Augusta. He couldn't stand people. And he's out of the ministry. I hope he's got an office job with a cubicle where nobody sees him. But anyway, you you need need to not repeat things. Gossip. You need to, hey, listen, you need to look for ways to be a blessing to your fellow believer. The joy in extra little things. Like this secret angel thing y'all do. I saw some joy when they pick up those bags on the back row. That's good. That's good. Thank God for it. Amen. Somebody needed that. I saw saw somebody that never smiles pick up one and just smile all the way to the car. Then she looked in the bag and she frowned. No, not really. Folks, listen. Go the extra mile to do little things. Remember people's, uh, hey, listen, if they're in the hospital, call them up, visit them after this is over. Love them. Send them a little note. 
Folks, listen, your love for God ought to have first place, but your love for your brother is closely associated with it. If you love me, keep my commandments. But if you love me, love one another. And last but not least, you knew I was going to get to this. We got four minutes. Let's take ten. Can you, can you hang in there, Graham? Just ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. I better not talk to him. But you measure your love for God, and you measure your maturity by your love not only for God, not only for others, but for the lost, the lost, the unsaved. And Romans chapter 9 is amazing verses that I could never pray because I'm not the Apostle Paul, and I'm nowhere near as spiritual as the Apostle Paul. I could not pray this. I will not pray this because the Bible says in Romans chapter 9, in verse uh, one through two, uh, excuse me, I think it's um, ten. It said, "Brother, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about establishing their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God." And then look at chapter nine. I, I gave up on it. Verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continued sorrow in my heart. For I could wish myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He said, I, I, I could wish myself to go to hell for my friends and my relatives and my family and my kinsmen to go to heaven. I can't give up heaven. I'm not that spiritual. God loved the unsaved so much that he gives them sunshine. He gives them rain. He blesses them with health and long life uh, to the saved and to the unsaved. Why does he do that? Because he loves them. He loves every sinner with the same infinite love with which he loved you. Think about it. He loves sinners as much as he ever loved you because you were a sinner. And true, he cannot express the intensity and intimacy of of his love until they respond. But I want to tell you something. God loves them anyway. You know, it's hard to be rejected. It's hard to be shunned. And sometimes I knock on the door and I witness, and, and I hope you'll not get over this and get laid back when we get back together. And we might not eat together, but we'll go knock on doors together. And I want to tell you something, friend. Love, love sinners like Christ loved you when you were a sinner. To what extent do you, do you love Love triumphs over mistreatment and persecution. Measure your love by the perseverance. If you really love somebody, you're going to keep on witnessing to them. You're going to keep on knocking on doors. You're going to keep on being the loving wife to win that husband. Measure your love by Calvary. Folks, if you want to see how much you ought to love, Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's several things that can that can tell you if you really love sinners, if you love the lost. Number one, you measure your love by the hunger for their salvation. Paul said, I wish myself a curse. Do you hunger and thirst for somebody to be saved in your family, in your community, in your nation, in your world that's never heard? Do you hunger? Do you weep? Do you lose sleep? How many lost sleep lately during this pandemic? You know, you're wondering about, am I going to get it? Have I got it? Who else is going to get it? 
you wake up in the middle of the night and you just can't go back to sleep. Folks, when's the last time you woke up in the middle of the night and couldn't go back to sleep because somebody you love is going to hell? God have a burden that moves us. Does it bother you that boys and girls and men and ladies without Christ are going to hell? Why in the world did this family go to South Africa? Because boys and girls and men and ladies are going to hell. The more you love God, the more you love the lost. The more you have a heart that's possessed by redemptive love of God, the more you long to love the unlovable, unloving, to bind up their wounds, to, to guide the straying, to, to lift up the frail, to set free the enslaved, and to encourage the discouraged and see sinners saved and transformed by the love of God. They don't know what they're missing. How does anybody go through a pandemic without the Lord? You ought to measure your life by how you seek the lost, how you are stirred to seek for their salvation. Love never gives up. Love wins when all else fails. And then number three, you measure your love for the unsaved by your intercession for them. You know, we can agonize for people that are sick, but I think our prayer list ought to be to keep more people out of hell than heaven. I don't mean to be mean, but folks, the prayer list is dominated by people that are sick. And I think, well, I'll pray for the sick. And when I get sick, please pray for me. But I want to say this, is that, folks, we need to pray for those that are eternally sick are going to hell. And it seems like a lot of times prayer meetings never mention but a few lost people. Folks, we need to measure our spiritual life by our love, our ardent joy, our burning love for Jesus. But, folks, we need to measure our life by the love for the church but we need to measure our love for the lost. And if you really love the lost, you agonize like Jesus did in the garden. You agonize like Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them. How many unsaved people are on your daily prayer list? How many on the list do you regularly hunger for a constant intercession to see them saved? Do you ever fast for the salvation of someone on your prayer list? Is your love truly an interceding love? I'm glad Jesus loved me enough to go to the Garden of Gethsemane and pray, Father, not my will, but thine be done. It's my will to die for Wayne Cofield. It's my will to go all the way to the cross. And so you measure spiritual life, number one, by your love, your ardent, joyful, burning love for God, for Jesus. Number two, you measure your life, your whole life, by your love for the church, for individual brothers and sisters, not just two or three that you click up with. That's not a church. You know, not just the ones that love you or take, uh, you know, do things for you or give you a good secret sister gift. You love everybody, and you love the one that's so hard to love. You love these little bus kids. And you love their parents. You even love their dog, praise God. He comes up, you need to know the dog by name, praise God. I'm dog sitting this week. Y'all pray for me. The dog is crazy. But we're getting along real good. I mean, we relate. I don't know, but anyway. You measure your life, your love for the church, for others. When they're burdened, you're burdened. When they're honored, you're honored. None of this clicking, jealousy, junk. 
that goes on in churches. Then last but not least, you measure your spiritual life by your Christ-like longing for the lost. For the lost. You undauntedly seek sinners by your intercessory ministry, but also by you going to them where they're at and loving them. You measure the dimension of your spiritual life by one word, love. John 11, verse 36. I think I've memorized verse 35. Jesus wept. In eleven thirty-six, it said this. See how greatly they loved God. Look at it. I want you to see it in closing. John 11. I misquoted that short verse. John 11 and verse 36. I tried to close too quick. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. That's talking about Jesus loving Lazarus. Wouldn't it be great if they said, Behold, how great you love someone else. And thus you love God and you love the lost. Tonight, if you want to put up the evaluation, if you want to do, you know, everybody's evaluating. This is supposed to be awards month for all the seniors. I'm so sorry they have to miss it. But I want to tell you something. The greatest reward we're going to have one day is how much we love sinners and how much we loved each other and thus how much we love God. You want to evaluate your whole life spiritually. It's through one word, love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night and thank you, God, for this series that I'm starting on evaluation of a spiritual life. God, you'll have, you, you, you know us. You know my heart. Some people love preaching more than they love you. Some people love the applause of earth more than they love the applause of heaven. But God, help us to love you. Help us to do everything we do because we're constrained by your love. God, may the whole world know that we are disciples because we love you. And thus, we love each other. God, may it be our testimony we love our children like no other father, no other mother. And that we love each other. We love our mate as you love us. And God, may we have the testimony that we love our neighbor. And that we love those on the job. And we just love everyone because you just love everyone. And God, we want to be like you. Lord, there's one prayer I have on my heart tonight. Fill me to overflowing with your love and help me to die to self. With every head bowed, every eye closed, let me say, preacher, that's my prayer too. I want to join in on it. I want to die to self and be filled to overflowing with God's love so the world will know that I am his disciple. Would you lift your hand high for prayer all over this place? That's everybody in here because everybody needs it. Father, use the message Thank you, God, for this series that we're getting into. I'm excited about it. And God, I hope and pray that we all evaluated by the Scriptures and by the Spirit where we're really at in our heart. That we really love you more than we love the things of the world, even more than we love ourselves, our comfort. Thank you for these missionaries, but dear God, every one of us ought to sacrifice by going across the street when all this is over telling somebody about the Lord, risking having our feelings hurt 
because of rejection. God help us to get over our little wimpy self when it comes to getting our feelings hurt. God help us to love souls and love our brother and sister and love you more than we've ever loved you before. In Jesus' name.